I I am very glad that we didn't hit the live button about 15 seconds earlier than than we did. Um, oh my! <laughs> Some things from us that'll never see the light of day. I certainly hope so. I mean, if if they if they did, maybe one day we could finally host SNL. And they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. Will you please, will the audience please refrain from throwing snowballs? The Bulldogs! Yale Bulldogs! Yeah, wow. Not so fast, Midget! Not so fast! You guys are all part of the Taliban, man. I, I mean, you're, you're a part of Al-Qaeda. That is not what I thought. Is that not what you thought? Boy, let a naysayer know. Let a naysayer know. Can you believe we have Leap Day tomorrow? We get a day that... I didn't even think about that. Yeah, tomorrow's the last day of February. Uh, This is one of the rare instances where you get 29 days in the month of February and supposed to 28. Or as uh, What's-His-Face over on SNL said, one more day to celebrate Black History Month. Although he he didn't say it as positively as as I did. Um, So, I don't know. Well, welcome. Number 192, Loudmouth CFB. It's BJ. That's Cam. We can see you for the time being at least. So I'm glad that that you finally, you know, decided to put clothes on for one of these sessions as opposed to knowing that since we weren't going to see you, you could just sit in your underwear or whatever in in your little corner. Believe it or not, believe it or not, I always wear clothes for this. So Allegedly. <laughs> anyway, no Tyler again tonight. We hope that he will grace us with his presence eventually, but we are not uh you know necessarily at liberty to to say one way or the other if if he will or not. That's his decision. We respect him and and we'll support him one way or the other whatever that decision decides to be. But until we get that determination we press on and we start by going over probably some of the biggest news in the sport today. And one of the things that really is a big time story is what came out late last week. It was, uh, in fact, it was just at the end of the week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the, we talked about the case against the NCAA brought up by Tennessee and Virginia and last Friday, the f- a federal judge granted a preliminary injunction, injunction, I should say, injunction, junction. What's the function? Well, it prohibits the NCAA from punishing any athlete or booster for negotiating name, image, and likeness deals during the recruiting process or while they're in the transfer portal. So this is a big, considered a big time win for schools, athletes, and everything like that. And this basically means that there is no uh regulation at, at any point yeah. now for the NCA. This is we talk about it being, you know, the Wild West, at least implicitly. And with this, it truly is going to be 
the wild wild west um this, i don't think this is going to be the end though i think this is just no, rather the no, beginning is, yeah yeah no for sure like there's going this is going to be a long ongoing process mm -hmm. and we're going to see i i have no idea where this is going because we've seen plenty of times where they'll side with what um tennessee or virginia are gonna say it's, it's like, i can yeah. see i can see a path where this is going this is not gonna be resolved for a while i mean if you're just talking about where it's going in the court system it's going to find its way up to the highest court in the land at some point or if it doesn't before that point uh, because, I mean, you could talk about the NCAA losing this, but going to a state that might be more, you know, on their side and, and getting a more favorable ruling there. And then those two competing rulings would then be appealed and peeled up and up until uh, it wouldn't have to be decided by that point. Or what's more likely and what would might, might happen quicker, but not necessarily because everything that goes through Washington, goes through its decades, centuries old plumbing systems, and it moves as slow as molasses in February. You might uh, be giving it too much credit. Oh, well, a little bit too much. But anyway, what this is really building towards, Cam, uh, is that, you know, there's always been talk of we need, you know, federal legislation to figure out how to regulate nil and that's what they're going to figure out and that's what they're going to get inevitably uh i don't know how or when or what it's going to look like but that's something that i think they'll continue to work on and and try to get put into place as as we go forward because of this ruling i mean you look at what the uh, judge it's a u.s district judge clifton corker he said uh, in his decision that the NCAA's prohibition likely violates federal antitrust law and harms student-athletes. So, And this is in the state of Tennessee, so this is one of the more, you would think, conservative-leaning states Yeah, where it might, might have been more favorable for the NCAA than as opposed to like a California or an Oregon or Washington where you know they're going to you know, go workers of the world unite essentially on the NCAA, but this is not the NCAA ruling that they wanted. Now, it's still just one of those things that is yet to be determined how it's going to all shake out. Uh, it says, let's see, um, the NCAA had recently announced sanctions against Florida State because a member of its coaching staff connected a prospect with a booster collective that works closely with the Seminoles, the collective made a specific offer who was considering transferring from his current school to Florida State. Uh, and then the AGs of both Tennessee and Virginia argued that the NCAA illegally restricted opportunities for student-athletes by preventing them from negotiating the terms of their deals prior to deciding where they want to go to school. So mm -hmm. the NCAA, how it was in, in, in place at the time was that they had to, uh, you know, you had to agree to go to this place and then they could talk about, you know, so basically you think about it, like Cam, you work for a major company. Yeah. It would be like, you know, you have to agree to work for this company before you can even discuss the terms of your salary and, and everything like that. And that's not 
nor normally how things work in the no. in the in the modern business world. No, no, it's not at all how how it works. And um, I, I I definitely do agree. Like it is headed towards where it's going to be. Like oh uh, well, federal level steps in and lays out ground yeah. rules. Um, the thing that I'm curious about is there, there's so much public institutions in each state. I, I'm curious to see if they, if states come into play here because every state is different. Every state's going to view it differently. And most of these are publicly state ran um universities so part of why it's a pain in the dick to transfer credits <laughs> yeah yeah uh so college athletics attorney tom mars who was working with the tennessee collective on the case uh said quote i think this will be one more brick in the wall that is the end of the ncaa and then that was something that i had mentioned back when we first talked about this case and and you know, kind of where things were going, or was that more along the lines of the SEC and and Big Ten? That was more along the lines of the SEC well, Big Ten. Yeah, yeah you can throw I, that either as a way in there as well. Yeah, I either way, it's definitely looking like the end of the um, NCAA is this. Yeah, it says, short of intervention by Congress, the demise of the NCAA now seems inevitable based on nothing but a financial analysis. As it appears, the NCAA is poised to lose all of its upcoming antitrust cases, the cumulative effect of which could make the NCAA financially insolvent. All right, Cam, I saw you at it. Go ahead. Yeah. Although, he still lost at the end. So, uh, Thanos. Well, was... that's the NCAA. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, big time ruling for the players, the schools, and big time ruling against the NCAA last Friday. The other big news that we've been really keeping an eye on um, that just came out, I believe, on Monday, Cam, mm -hmm. was that uh, we're going to have a, uh, another addition, or rather not an addition, but we're going to have some more conference realignment. This is a minor ripple as opposed to the big time yeah, the, waves that we're seeing starting this year. But uh, the Mac is re expanding. It was originally 13, uh, a couple years back when mm -hmm. UMass joined coming out of uh, the FCS up to the FBS ranks. And then they became an independent and have been an independent, for the longest time, at least in the football side of things, where which is what we're talking about. The basketball and other sports uh, are in the Atlantic 10. But UMass is going to rejoin the MAC in all applicable sports starting next mm -hmm. school year. Not this 24-25, but the 25-26 school year. Yeah. Um, so not this July, next July. Correct, yeah. Uh, UMass's hockey program is going to remain in the hockey East because Mac does not have hockey. Uh, and the, uh, UMass had also been engaged with conference USA, but the Mac made more geographic sense. It also houses 
more of the sports that UMass offers as opposed to the CUSA. Um, the move will leave Notre Dame and UConn as the lone independents in college football by 2025, with Army set to join the American this upcoming season. Uh, but in other sports, this is going to be a big-time loss. The A-10 has been where UMass has called home for almost 50 years now. Uh, in fact, UMass's Final Four appearance back in 96 is the only time that an A-10 school has made it to the Final Four. Uh, UMass will request to stay in the A-10 as an affiliate member for men's lacrosse only. Women's lacrosse will compete in the MAC, but uh, for four seasons, when they uh, rose up to the FBS ranks, UMass was a part of the MAC from 2012 to 2015. UMass eventually declined full membership, which was part of the contract and led to the school leaving, only to rejoin a decade later. So. Uh, the MAC will move up to 13 teams, and that will then open speculation as to whether or not there's going to be another member added for balance. Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky were rumored back in 2021, and those schools would be kind of the top of any list to speculate on. Um, but at this point, it's uh, it's a big move. And, you know, I know, Cam, you talked about this being, you know, not necessarily a conference USA, but this could bring some more FCS schools up to the FBS level, including the Dakotas. Although I don't know if that would make as much geographic sense for the Dakotas as it would for uh, UMass. And I see you. We lost your camera feed again. Yes, it was well, inevitable. Um, yeah, I guess it was. It was only you know fifteen minutes this time. So yeah. Slight improvements, yeah. um, anyways, but yeah, like this could be. I, I don't think it's going to be too, too big. Um, maybe one or two more FCS schools move up, mm -hmm. but I, I, I don't think that many. Like, may, no. maybe they try to go after like one or two more northeastern ones but at the same time i know that outside of umass a lot of those are private schools that have all kind of stuck together yeah for for more so academic clout like helping lift each other up that way so i don't i don't know entirely how much of a ripple effect it's going to have throughout the fcs but maybe one or two more schools does move up, but honestly, not that many. Yeah, I just don't. Um, I don't so, see there being really a whole lot more because I, I feel like when the iron was hot and we heard about you know Jacksonville State and Liberty and and these other schools, you know, not obviously not Liberty, but Jacksonville State and uh, New Mexico, not New Mexico State. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sam Houston, that's who I was trying Sam to think Houston, of. And now yeah. Kennesaw coming up this year. Um, when we heard about those schools coming up, if that if there was a time that made sense for a North Dakota State or South Dakota State or some of these other schools like Montana State, et cetera, et cetera, if they had the means and they wanted to make that next step up to the next to the FBS level, 
mm-hmm. feel like that time would have been when all these other moves were being announced uh, back in, in around 2021, 2022. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe they were kind of like, all right, you be the guinea pig, see how it works out. If we're in a similar spot and it's worked out for you, then maybe we'll dip our waters and our toes in the water as well. And that might be the case, but I just, I, I think this is more of a minor ripple. I don't really see a whole lot more changing yeah. because there's still so much uncertainty with where the sport itself is heading in the future. Yeah, exactly. Um, Something I did see while I was on um, Facebook the other day. Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a couple of groups that are like Mountain West specific groups. Shocking mm-hmm. from a Utah State fan, I know. Wow. Um, the and somebody went to um, the UNM the UNM basketball game the other day, mm-hmm. and. Uh, was able to talk a little bit with the president of UNM. Okay. And the and the president of UNM had mentioned that to him that the Mountain West is potentially working on expansion. Like obviously didn't say who or anything like that. Can't yeah. can't divulge that kind of information. But like if if they do like it, I wouldn't be shocked right now if it's just like combining forces with the pack two, the Tupac, mm-hmm. uh, as BJ has been calling it. Well, that's what they're called. That's just their name. Yeah, the the Tupac like add in uh, Washington State or an Oregon State or help both. Um, or like it if it is like a Montana Montana State, I'm curious to see if that would have more ripple effects than this. Yeah. So stay, make sure to stay tuned on all things, um, all things conference expansion because yeah. it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. Well, just listen to this, okay? I've just found this article uh, that came out yesterday. This is a compare and contrast of how the conferences looked when the Big 12 was launched back in 96 versus now. In 96, the ACC only had nine members. Clemson, Duke, Florida State, Mm -hmm. Georgia Tech, Maryland, North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest, Virginia. Now, going into 2024, they're about to have nearly double that with 17 members. Boston College, Cal, Clemson, Duke. Florida State, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Miami, North Carolina, NC State, Pitt, SMU, Stanford, Syracuse, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. The Big Ten in 96 had 11 schools, which stayed that way for the longest time until the uh, you know additions of Nebraska and then subsequently Maryland and, and Rutgers. Uh, now with 2024, they're going to have 18 schools, adding in Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and USC. The Big 12 and 96 had 12. This past year, they had 14. Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. Add in the four corner schools of Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and uh, Colorado, and the Big 12 will have 16. 
The Pac-12 in 1996 was the Pac-10. Mm-hmm. It is now just down to two, Oregon State and Washington State. The SEC in 96 had 12. They were that way until 2012. And now they're going to be adding Oklahoma and Texas to give them 16. The AAC, the first season of 2013, had 10 schools. Now, just a decade later, they've added four, but the whole roster of schools that they have looks a lot different with Army, Charlotte, ECU, Florida Atlantic, Memphis, Navy, North Texas, Rice, South Florida, Temple, Tulane, Tulsa, UAB, and UTSA. Mm-hmm. When Conference USA started in 96, or in 96, Conference USA had six teams. In 2025, they will have nearly double with 11. Delaware, FIU, Jacksonville State, Kennesaw State, Liberty, Louisiana Tech, MTSU, New Mexico State, Sam Houston State, UTEP, Western Kentucky. Mid-American, 10 and 96, 13 for 2025. The Big West slash WAC slash Mountain West, 6 in 1996. The WAC had 16 in 1996. And the remnants of all of that is down to 12 in what is now the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just really interesting to see how it has shifted over time. Um, a little bit of some coaching news that we want to get to. Uh, we told you that we would keep you up to date as to any you know new moves made. And the biggest one that came out late last week was that Georgia State, they've got their new head coach. They're hiring Georgia assistant Del McGee as their new football coach. His uh, deal is for five years, according to uh, Pete Thamel. Uh, McGee was the Bulldogs run game coordinator and running backs coach, has deep ties in the state from years as a high school coach. He joins Georgia State after spending the last eight years with Georgia, primarily working with the running backs. Uh, Played college football at Auburn, had a brief career in the NFL as a defensive back. He appeared in three games for Cam's Arizona Cardinals in 1998. Uh, McGee was also previously a coach at Georgia Southern for a couple seasons. He served as their interim head coach for the win in the GoDaddy Bowl. Uh, Georgia State coming off their season last year, 7-6, that included the famous Idaho Potato Bowl victory over Cam's Utah State Aggies. So We don't need to talk about that. No, we don't really. Georgia State, their search is over. They got Georgia system. That really is probably going to be it for the coaching carousel. I don't foresee another big-time move coming, but that's the beauty is that we never truly know. Uh, Yeah, as far as head coaching goes, this is probably going to be the last domino to fall, partially because it happened so late. But yeah. overall, very good hire for Georgia State, in my opinion. Yeah. Very familiar with the area, solid recruiter, all that kind of fun stuff. So I'm curious to see what kind of success he has there at Georgia State. I am too. I am too. So we're not going to focus on whoever Georgia hires as their next run game coordinator, running back. Oh, coach. wow. That's, that's a shocker. I'm so sorry. I, I know I hate to disappoint, but um, next up is one that I'm going to venture. Uh, when I first heard about this, I made a bold prediction. I will go ahead and make that bold prediction 
here on the record, but former Commanders offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is finalizing a two-year deal to join UCLA at, <laughs> to join UCLA's staff as the Bruins' associate head coach slash offensive coordinator. Um, this is a significant move for Deshaun Foster, who just took over in the past couple weeks for Chip Kelly as the new UCLA coach. Uh, he is trying to forge an NFL identity with the Bruins. Uh, Bianami grew up in the area. He was a UCLA assistant from 03 to 05. And Cam, I, I remember us talking about the, you know, what UCLA had to lose by giving Deshaun Foster the reins. And now I think I figured out what the, the ultimate goal might be. I think oh, yeah. bring, making this move for UCLA, you know, they might have a rough transition into the Big Ten year one if, if what we're kind of anticipating is to be the case. How much of a leash does Foster have? And is this move bringing in Eric the enemy a plan where Foster could be the setup to fail and they could bring in Eric the enemy as their new head coach in 2025? Honestly, I could very well see that. I, you and I had kind of discussed this on Sunday, mm-hmm. and like as soon as soon as we had talked about it, like this kind of made sense as to what the long play could be. Um, it sucks that a alumnus is gonna get done dirty like that. Yeah, but at the same time, though, like. Since it's clear UCLA um, is not giving him a long leash, this is a smart move as well for him just because a lot of college, well, a lot of high school kids are looking, okay, um, I'd love to go to the NFL at some point. Yeah. And so, like, I'm – if this is able to work out to where he doesn't he does do well and UCLA is able to become successful in that kind of stuff like this will be a huge attractor of high school kids yeah absolutely and i mean that's what i was just about to say is that you know he's he's been out of college game for over a decade now, he was the Colorado offensive coordinator from 2011 to 2012. But this is to me, you know, I think Bienemy wanted to stay pro. He did have opportunities to remain in the NFL. Uh, obviously, he interviewed for Washington's head coaching gig and two other OC jobs, uh, but nobody offered him more than just a, their assistant head coach and running backs gig. Um, I, I he's talked about wanting to be a head coach. I think this is probably the path that he would have to go down in order to to get to that spot. I, I think that this is where if if he's going to be in a position to make that next step to be a head coach someday, it's going to have to be at the college ranks first, and then he's going to go back up into the pros. Uh, you know, this is probably that five year plan. Um, so this is this is really interesting to see what UCLA is going to do because 
they want you know more of a pro style offense and bringing in the enemy with the experience that he's had it's going to be interesting it wasn't quite what washington was expecting when he was their offensive coordinator this year looking at the pros but also washington sam howell is not patrick mahomes and mm-hmm. nobody is conflating the two and and nobody is saying yeah. that uh whoever UCLA's quarterback is next year, Dante Moore, I would imagine is the presumed starter. Um, Nobody's saying that he will be either, but you get in a position where, you know, for the enemy, if you want to prove that what you were doing was going to work, whether you had Patrick Mahomes, who's one of the probably top five quarterbacks ever, at this point in terms of accomplishments already so young in his career, um, it, it, that your offense would work even without him. This is a, you know, you had one season that didn't go well in Washington. This is another chance to see if the pro style system that you're wanting to run is going to work at this level. You know, maybe you can parlay that into a head coaching gig. Maybe it'll get you springboarded back up into the pros. Who knows? This is, really going to be interesting to see how it works out. I don't know that it's going to do a whole lot though for the Bruins in their first year in the big 10, because it's still one of those things that Washington has the same problem that I feel like UCLA is going to have the same problem with. And that's, they just don't have enough size up on the offensive line to really protect whoever's in the backfield trying to make plays. And that, that was their biggest problem was not being able to protect their quarterback. And if UCLA can't do that, the pass rushes of the Big Ten are going to try to capitalize upon it. So we're going to see how that works out. Um, and we obviously hope for the best for Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's kind of my bold prediction is that if things don't necessarily work out with Deshaun Foster, watch out. Uh, A couple other quick news and nuggets about for the coaching uh, carousel. Not really carousel at this point, but uh, Lance Leipold not going anywhere. He's agreed to a new contract with Kansas that features a significant raise in his salary year over year to more than $7 million per year. A new contract does not feature any new years in his deal that runs through 2029, but it does add more than $2 million to what he made in 2023. Uh, So it shows that Kansas really is committed to trying to raise the expectations and elevate their football program with new athletic director, Travis Goff. So uh, Leipold is going to be one of the top three in the big 12 in average salary. And he's making nearly three times more than he made uh, initially when he got hired on at Kansas after uh, coming there from Buffalo. So, um, you know, not unsurprising to me. It's, you know, a vote of confidence for the right guy at Kansas and a good, uh, you know, good thing to see from the Jayhawks that they are, you know, prioritizing not just basketball because mm-hmm. apparently, you know, holding on to halftime leads to, you know, schools from the Church of the Latter-day Saints at home is not something they can do well. So they want to put more emphasis onto the football field uh, where they can win games more easily, apparently, against those schools. So, Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, all that to be said, we're, we're staying in the Big 12. Iowa State set to promote Taylor Mouser to their offensive coordinator, uh, part of several moves that the uh, Cyclones are making to their staff after Nate Shielhaas left for the NFL. Mauser was their Titans or has been their Titans coach for the last three years, and he added on the uh, name assistant head coach in 2023, been part of the staff for Matt Campbell on and off the field throughout his tenure with the Cyclones. Uh, Iowa State is also set to hire Tyler Roll as their running backs coach and assistant head coach. So he's the he's the uh, the North Dakota State offensive coordinator in the or the last five years. Uh, he was supposed to be the top candidate for the Bison's head coaching role. In fact, uh, he had recently left to become the offensive coordinator at Tennessee State. So. Lots of movement. Uh, Jake Waters, who was uh, promoted running backs coach last week, is now going to be uh, training the quarterbacks instead. And wide receivers coach Noah Pauley will be their passing game coordinator. Uh, Their offensive line coach, Ryan Clinton, will serve as their run game coordinator. So, like I said, a lot of overhauls. Not really wanting to spend a whole lot of time on that. More, more so the news of the offensive coordinator, and just because it's pretty light load of news and yeah. stuff this week. Uh, so. And piggybacking off of what you said, Taylor yeah. Mauser seems like a very natural fit for Iowa State, like not just because of his familiarity with the region, having coached in the Dakotas for a while. Um, a Another reason why is like if you look at North Dakota states or not North Dakota, South Dakota states. Sorry, sorry, Dakota mm-hmm. marker folks. Um, the what they try to do is very similar to what Matt Campbell does offensively. Try to establish a run, very balanced offense, um, lots of option based looks as well yeah so it, it's a very natural coaching hire so good good smart hire for the cyclones lastly i know we kind of talked a little bit about this at the end of the episode i think it was last time uh there's more information coming out about the supposed momentum that we have building for a 14 team college football playoff now there, nothing's been agreed to, but the deadline is ticking. Uh, supposedly, we're just a few weeks out from what the executive director, Bill Hancock, said the deadline was for uh, the college football playoff contract after not this coming season, but the next one, after their 2025 season, which is the last one on this current deal that they have with ESPN. Uh, they're expanding it to, to 12 this year, so they're going to have for sure two years with the 12 team playoff, but there's already, you know, optimism and momentum for adding two more teams after just two years of 12 teams. Uh, so it really would resemble the NFL playoff structure. Uh, nothing is certain as though, uh, as there is an effort to come to an agreement in the upcoming weeks, there's potential roadblocks and expected pushback as evidenced by how long it took to get to the 12 team playoff 
the television side of the deal has already been agreed to in principle, uh, according to uh, sources to Pete Thamel and Heather Dinich. So that one is really, you know, the only thing that's left to figure out is the two leadership groups, which is the presidents and chancellors of schools and the management committee, which is the conference commissioners and the leadership of Notre Dame. They need to come to a decision on how to format and getting the deal done. So uh, says there's a lot of pressure to get it done or stop talking about it. So here we are. We're talking about it because I've been against the expansion so soon. I mean, if you were going to go, it should have been, you know, 12 from the get go or more than four, at least it may not necessarily yeah. have needed to be 12, but four was never really going to be enough. And, so now we're already not even going to let the 12 team playoff, you know, have more than a couple of years to figure out how it's going to look. And then we want to expand it again. I, I think that that's a, I think that's a bad mistake potentially. I mean, obviously, you know, you can look at it and say, Oh, what, what harm is it going to do to have, you know, more teams in the playoff? Well, I mean, you look at the NFL, we've had four or five years now of the NFL having seven seeds in each conference and only one of the seven seeds. And it wasn't until just this year that a seven seed has won a, play, a playoff game. So, you know, we're adding another, you know, potential, you know, risk of injury for some of these teams that are going to have to go through three or four games as it is already just to get to a, a, for a chance to play for the national championship. So We'll see how it plays out. Uh, momentum is building. It's it's another one of those things that you look at, and it's just one. What can you do about it? Because it really isn't something that anybody in the sport has had your best interests in mind. Me, you know, I I come from not a land down under, but a world when I was in college as a D two school, where we had to go through there were four regions of seven teams. So it was almost double. It was, in fact, it, it is double what the current structure that they're proposing would look like with 14 teams where you'd have, you know, seven teams in each region and, and they'd fight for the national championship where you would only have two regions as opposed to the four that the D2 model has. So, I mean, I, I think you definitely have to earn it when you get to that level because it is one of the toughest, if not the toughest, championship to win at the NCAA level. But, I mean, it's just I, – I don't think there's really a need for it at the FBS level. Not yet, at least. It, it feels like it's too soon to expand. Yeah, yeah. Um definitely agree with you there like it go for 10 years with the same damn system yeah and we, then, went, we went 10 years before we expanded why two are we... years and then future expansion and then even at that they're hinting at oh yeah no we'd be interested in expanding even further than that and it's like the hell when, do, when does slow your roll slow it's, your it's... roll it, you know, at the end of the day, like we've talked about on here before, they've got dollar signs in their eyes and they'll go as far as the money will take them. And 
what they sacrifice in the process is going to be a real travesty. It's going to be a real damn shame to see the path of destruction they leave in their wake. But yeah. on that somber note, hey, what what uh, you know? What can I do to make things more bright and and cheery in here? Uh, well, other than just to you know get us the hell off the air because who wants to listen to more of that crap, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's about all I have, Cam. I mean, we we got elite video from Kentucky locker room of a fight that happens probably between every team, every season. So I, I can't really yeah. say that I'm too interested in that. We just don't normally get to see every one of them. So, yeah, I was going to say it's more surprising that it got out because I, we've all been in locker rooms before. Yeah. Like it, it happens. Yeah. Yelling, cussing, fighting, that happens. Doesn't mean that you want it, but when you get a lot of testosterone and you've got, you know, one of the, you know, a, a pretty violent sport at times, that's, it's going to happen. Even when you're on the same team, just because there's a lot of stuff that goes through the body at that time. Mm-hmm. So, but if you don't have anything else, I think that means that we're going to have to call it an episode, Cam. I can't really think of anything else. Um, we'll try to have more next week. Yeah, we'll we'll have we'll figure something out. Maybe uh, we can get another discussion topic, but it ends up working out all right because not every episode has to be yeah, you know, as oh, long yeah, as the last couple have been. So, um, I think what we'll probably do just for going forward, at least for the time being, until we get some more stuff that we can justify having two episodes a week is that we will continue to do just the one on Wednesdays. And so we will, uh, we'll slow the pace down a little bit. We'll pick it back up as we get closer to the start of a new season. And hopefully we'll have our, our man Tyler Isley back on board the ship as well with us so that we can, you know, only slightly tease him about the national championship and the expected downfall from that coming up this year. Hang the banner. Yeah. Hang the banner. So until next week, that's Cam. I'm BJ. It's been Loudmouth CFB and we'll see you next week.